do better. Welcome to Do Better Podcast, a digital content hub from Asade, built for minds interested in doing better. You can leave your comments and suggestions on dobetter.asade.edu. Welcome to Asade Doers, podcast about entrepreneurs and innovators. Our guest today is Yosha Raweb. Hi, Yosha. Thank you so much for joining and for taking the time. Hey, Davide. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So, Yosha, you're the co-founder of a company called uh, Think IT. Um, can you tell us uh, kind of a uh, pitch style in 30 seconds? What does the company do? Sure. So Thinkit, as, as we call it, is a global software engineering collective um, that's on a mission to unlock human potential with technology. That means we were closely integrated with high growth startups and innovative corporate teams to build cloud data infrastructure and AI solutions that contribute to a more sustainable future. And we also foster a more inclusive and diverse tech community by investing in digital talent across um, the African continent and providing job and growth opportunities for now with a heavy focus on North Africa. Okay, fantastic. Those are a ton of information. <laughs> Let's uh, unpack it in a second. But uh, maybe prior to that, let's uh, go back a few steps and uh, hear your story. So what uh, motivated you into becoming an entrepreneur? Is it something you always wanted or how did it happen? Yeah, it's actually an interesting story. I was um, talking about it with a friend yesterday. Um, and uh, I, I mean, I did not see myself as an entrepreneur when I was younger and even like in my early 20s, I wouldn't say so. Like I if you want to say so, started a company when I was 17, um, organizing events, um, mm -hmm. financing my studies. I didn't really see this as entrepreneurship. And then I got into entrepreneurship through an initiative called uh, Inectus, um, which is basically a student initiative um, supporting social missions through an entrepreneurial approach. So that was kind of my first touch point. Um, and then I started kind of exploring a little bit like what is the the the, the area or what, where can I see myself in the future and um, startups was um, kind of an industry if you want to say so where I really felt this is my crowd and vibe um, and then I uh, applied at Asade um, actually for the master in management um, but during the uh, conversation with the recruiter um, she basically told me, hey, like everything great, but you definitely are a much better fit for our entrepreneurship program. And mm -hmm. I was at the time thinking, can you really learn entrepreneurship? Um, and I had my doubts. Um, and she said, hey, just, you know, like explore, talk to some people, give it a try. And I think that was really a game changer for me. Like I, I, I talked to people, I decided then to do the Mia instead of MIM um, and I mean, it definitely set me on a different path. Like I think so um, during the time I, I decided my entrepreneurial spirit was uh, sparked, let's say. Okay. Um, but even then I didn't think of myself as like, okay, let's start a company straight out of university, but rather like work in the, um, in the field at the forefront of technology. And at some point in time, I wanted to use let's say the privilege that i have of um having grown up in germany having had access to a lot of opportunities when i wanted to um and use that privilege to solve some of the bigger problems that we're facing as a society as a planet um and then a couple months later while i was in my um last uh, semester at uh, um at Esade, um in the sems 
my then co-founder approached me and said, hey, like we're working on this. Um, and we had talked about the idea to think it already back in 2014. He said, hey, we want to start this, but we're both coming more from a research perspective. Um, and we need someone who can really give it this entrepreneurial um, uh, input. Um, and so I said, okay, I mean, I'm, it feels like the right thing to do. Um, so let's give it a try. Started over the summer more as a, let's say project, like a venture project, right. um, with no idea whether this would, uh, even make sense. Um, and, uh, yeah, that was 2017. Now it's four and a half years later and we're still at it. Um, right. So you're at that, you're actually mm, working at your uh, at your very first uh, startup that that you so beyond the initial projects now that you that you mentioned uh, yes. prior to that but really this was university and then straight up into think it and then uh, up to where you are now um, which brings me to uh, the next question I actually had for you which mm-hmm. is um, how did you get the company started and you already mentioned your now co-founder approached you did you knew each other prior did you knew already you wanted to do something what was the situation there yeah yeah so um Muhammad, my co-founder and i we know each other for more than a decade now uh we both worked together in this um in Actus initiative and basically mm-hmm. led the team um in in cologne back then so we basically worked together be- before we became friends because we connected over a lot of like shared values Um, and then he approached me and said, hey, like I've been continuing to work on this as part of my research master's, um, did a lot of research on the African continent regarding employment and education. Um, and we have a really rich set of data and we believe that our approach can work there. Um, my third co-founder or our third co-founder, Amal, um, and Mohammed, they met in, in New York while they were studying there. Um, and I did not meet Amal in person until half a year into working together. So okay. we initially started working. They, they were both based in, in New York. I was based in Santiago de Chile to finish my studies, um, worked together for like four or five months. And then we, we said, okay, let's basically relocate to Tunisia to test out the approach, see if it works. And at the airport was the first time that I actually met her in person. Um, so wow, it was really okay. remote from the beginning. <laughs> This is really, no, exactly. R- remote first uh, for real, yeah. <laughs> not as a claim. Uh, wow. Okay. And so what was the, um, the initial idea? No? Then let's see how that evolved into now. So what was the original uh, pitch somehow that, that basically Mohammed uh, had for you? Yeah, I think like in the, in the very early days, we thought of um, basically a platform to connect talent from the global south with job opportunities in in the north or in like developed economies um and in the very very first days um this was more on like let's say translation services etc then it moved much more into tech so when we started in 2017 it was very much on like okay there is a very very um big part of the young population that is actually educated in applied mathematics in computer science data science Um, how are we finding a way to connect them with job opportunities in the States, in the UK? And we had a thought of an approach like a curated platform, um, like a, let's say you can think of it a bit as a top tell, but then having an additional physical space where people can go to. Um, okay. And also, let's say, learning programs to really let's say, bridge the gap between what people already know and what they need to know to, to be internationally competitive. So that was kind of the initial 
uh, concept that we started with and that we also won, I think, one or two innovation prizes for, which gave us the money to then really go to, um, to Tunis and, and start piloting it. Okay, so um, as well, no, so initial financing kind of coming from, so you participated, you applied for a few, few innovation prizes with this model idea. Um, and that was that the initial financing? Did you also get some external investor or did you as founders uh, invested in the company? No, because uh, many people want to know, okay, now I have this idea. What do we actually do to yeah. make it started? Yeah. Yeah. For us, it was this. So innovation grants, let's say in the beginning, um, two of them, but I mean, let's say it's not a lot of money, um, yeah. but um, also we started generating revenues from day one. Um, they were not sufficient to finance us, but um, we we basically had set it up that we said, okay, we have this learning program where people go through, but they already have experience. Um, so it's really more in like, how can we um, give that little nudge um, in terms of how do I work remotely, internationally? What does it mean to proactively communicate, et cetera? Um, and we were working basically on first projects or integrated in companies and generated revenues. Um, besides, we also put in some of our own money. Um, okay. I think it was like five, six K, but this was more to basically finance our own cost of living. Mm -hmm. uh, so we didn't pay ourselves a salary, but basically finance that ourselves. And then that led us um, until a bit over a year in. So in October, November, 2018, we raised our first, uh, or we closed our first uh, financing round with, um, I think overall it was six business angels and uh, an accelerator program um, that we participated in. And then a bit more than a year later, we, um, we took another, um, let's say, bridge financing, uh, so mm -hmm. another convertible note. But overall, I think our external financing amounts to 400K now. Um, okay. So nothing very small crazy. yeah overall and and then the rest is revenue driven growth exactly the rest is revenue driven i think oh until now well, i would need to do the math but i think it's it's well over three million or so in in basically revenues that were reinvested in the company wow okay congrats um Okay, so let's see about the model, right? So it's basically a platform you're mentioning. You want to get a tech talent or, or anyway, um, talent from, uh, I guess, at the beginning, more uh, Northern African countries and then see that you can help them get employment or get contracts from more European or North American companies. How did you go about finding these people on both sides, right? How did you find the, the contracting companies and how did you get to when you were starting uh, the, the initial uh, candidates? Yeah, um, so we started with the, the talent side. Um, um, so basically we wanted to first, let's say validate three to four core hypotheses. One was, okay, we're able to identify really smart people and attract them. We're able to get them to a level where they are internationally competitive. We get customers to basically trust us and try and those customers after the first couple of months are actually also satisfied with, uh, with our service, let's say. Um, and so we started with the first, uh, meaning talent. Um, and that was really through, I mean, going to the main co-working spaces, connecting with people on the ground. Amal is Tunisian, so she has a, a, a network in, uh, in Tunis. 
And uh, then we launched a Facebook campaign, like boosted a post with a couple hundred euros, asked our networks to share it and reached, I think, 50,000 people with that. Um, well. And through that, we, we, we received basically first um, applications, referrals, etc., and started with our first cohort of, um, I think it was 10. Yeah, I think first cohort was 10 engineers. Okay. Um, and was it more through, through the online or more through the offline network? Um, I would say half-half. Okay. Um, but we could definitely see that the strongest candidates that are also uh, with us were through uh, offline referrals. Okay. Um, and I think we just got really, really lucky that um, what we wanted to build, like the, the, the concept and the idea was something that everybody in Tunis said, yes, that's exactly what we need. Um, they also said it's not going to work out, but they said, yes, it's okay. what we need. Um, and but so you had the we, problem validation earlier. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, and, 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 and that was, I think, through the mission, we were able to attract two or three engineers that were really, really well-known in the ecosystem. And that said, okay, hey, like, I, I believe in, in what you believe in. I want to be part of this. And so they had a very strong, let's say, effect on how we were perceived right. as a company. And what about the, the, the contracting companies on the other side? Yeah, contracting companies, I think in the beginning came a lot through networks um, that, I mean, we were fortunate enough to have. So like founders who we knew, um, who knew us from somewhere and said, hey, yeah, I'm looking for talent. Um, I'm not super happy with my current, um, let's say, provider. So let's test it. Um, actually, um, Uh, Facundo, uh, also a peer from Esade, um, right. he was working at a company uh, in Berlin back then as COO, said, hey, we definitely are in need for someone. And so that is kind of how it started uh, with the first four or five customers. And I mean, this was uh, 2016? 17. 17, okay. Yeah. So not as much, uh, so remote work was not as common as it is today. Yeah. Um, Were you having troubles explaining to companies, hey, we're you know, giving you somebody that's uh, not only remote, but uh, technically in a different continent, uh, in a different place, although similar time zone uh, to Europe at least? Yeah, no, I think that was definitely always, an, let's say, a concern. Um, not for everyone, but I think for like some organizations, it's just like, hey, we, are, we don't yet have the setup to support remote work. You know, it's like all our meetings are in person. So if someone is joining virtually, they might not be able to really get the, the full experience of, um, of the conversation. They might not really be um, recognized. Um, and I think uh, there were definitely reservations. And I think that's, um, that's normal. I mean, if you start with someone until you trust, you first need to kind of build that up, right? So we also said, hey, You know, like we usually start on like a two month pilot, um, test it for two months. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But trust us that we know what we're doing. Um, mm -hmm. And I think until this day, there's only been one case where after two months, the company said, hey, no, it's not the right thing for us. All the others said, hey, no, works really well. We're super happy. We want to do it more. Um, and now, of course, like the last year and a half, um, we definitely also see the impact of that. Like there's a lot more um, demand, which I think goes also in line with us just having built a reputation over the last four years um, and are now being, let's say, taken more serious and more credible. Mm -hmm. um, but also there's definitely now, I mean, almost nobody anymore who says, okay, like we, we don't want to work remotely because they are all doing it. Um, right. So overall, I mean, for you, uh, 
and of other things being equal, the 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 current situation it's it's being positive because it's helping understanding the model and probably bringing up more demand. Exactly. Maybe yeah. Then no. Fast forward from from 2017 to to now. And then uh, so how how big is the company and you know how is it going overall? Yeah, I mean it's um, it's going really well, especially the last year year and a half have been um, like we see let's say the typical product market fit signals um, of like a lot of repeat business, um, organic growth, um, a lot of inbound um, leads coming in. And uh, so by now we're a team of, um, I think 55, um, wow. maybe a okay. few more uh, because it's kind of like every month there's like three, three new people joining. Um, so um, yeah, have, have grown quite a bit. Um, we're profitable since, last year q2 um so also not requiring any any additional external financing for now um and growth is already pretty fast so this year we'll probably be growing revenues by around 250 so um that means like there's no need for growth capital because faster growth would not be healthy for us like we're quite conscious about how do we balance this so that growth is healthy and sustainable um and we're not kind of in our phase of growth um diluting culture and and let's say our dna as a team which is really i think um at the core of our value proposition and so um we're trying to kind of yeah manage and balance that um and i think besides by now um like we went away from this let's say platform approach Mm -hmm. um because we saw hey we want to have let's say full ownership of also the delivery etc because there is like we're a high quality provider we're doing a lot of rather deep um, technical things so um, we didn't want to be another platform where you just kind of do the matchmaking Um, and uh, so by now you can see it as I mean we we self-identify as an engineering collective Um, you could also say um, technology consulting um, company for um cloud and ai solutions and our sweet spot i think is is working on solutions that um yeah create a more sustainable future so anything around climate action learning education global health um uh, sustainable infrastructures is uh where we kind of feel comfortable and where we also um have built a reputation and then the second part which is the learning side um we kind of built up for the last for the first three years in the same company, which is also sometimes quite a struggle because you're mm-hmm. kind of building two companies in one. Um, and we said, okay, hey, we're with all we learned over the last couple of years, how can we open source this now and actually reach a wider audience? So um, a year and a half ago, we started basically branching out um, the some of the learning activities into a nonprofit. Um, okay. This nonprofit is now um, kind of self run self-organized um, and um, basically building a platform approach where some of our people are contributing to as, as, as mentors, as, as, uh, as engineers, but where we can basically offer the learning experience to a much wider audience and then say, okay, once you went through this, you might still join Thinkit and go through, let's say, the, the very in-depth um, program, but you might right. also want to join another company or you want to do another thing and that's perfectly fine. Um, so it's so some sort of, kind of ecosystem building as well. Exactly. No? So you're saying, hey, we're providing this free resource. Um, 
which probably brings me to um, to the next question, which is, uh, what are your plans for growth? No, so you mentioned about uh, overall being interested in, in in providing positive impact, which I think you're already doing, and that's yeah. great. Um, you're positioned uh, in North Africa, which is also a continent that's experiencing and, and forecasted to grow very much uh, in the future, especially on the tech side. So, do you have any plans for further expansion beyond what you already told us? Yeah, I mean, um, as like over the last year, we have already expanded. Um, our expansion might not look like we're going to open another office or we're officially opening another country, but uh, we're already hiring people across the globe. Um, so our team is now based not only in Tunis and Germany, but we have team members in Brazil, in France, in Egypt, in the Netherlands, um, soon probably in Italy, uh, in Bulgaria. So um, it's quite spread already um, and uh, we really see this as like if we want to solve global problems then we have to work and collaborate across borders so I think that will grow um, so the let's say the core engineering uh, company but we're also thinking um, further along this ecosystem approach um, by saying okay like in the end what is necessary is that we need to mobilize a lot of technical talent towards, let's say, tech for good, tech for sustainable right. solutions. And um, we are uniquely well positioned because we understand both sides. We have a very good understanding of um, also the nonprofit space, but also what does it mean to build tech for good where there is not yet a lot of financing available? Yeah. Um, and how can we leverage a nonprofit and a for-profit mix for building the right partnerships? but still coming from a very, very tech um, tech background, let's say. Um, and how can we really use um, tech for that? And um, yeah, we, we see this ecosystem grow um, quite a lot. Um, so there's other elements than when you think of, for example, can you do a donor advised fund or even um, a small fund that can pilot certain projects, you know, like um, do you become with the talent that is coming out of our learning programs that is not joining Thinkit, can you have another entity where they basically work as an expert pool of freelancers or mm -hmm. you are an employer of record for other organizations across the globe? There's a lot of startups doing these kind of things. And I think there's a lot of synergies created when we have, the, when we have an ecosystem where we share the core principles and beliefs um, and the core culture of, okay, we want to do this um, really with the goal of blending tech and the positive impact. Um, how that eventually looks like, I can't tell you. I don't know what's going to come first. But for now, we're really thinking um, also more across, um, let's say, a product side, uh, because we're right now a service-based business. Right. How do we kind of evolve also into um, offering solutions, whether this is happening under Thinkit's umbrella or in another entity, um, is, is, is yet to be discovered. Um, but these are kind of the, the, the pathways that we see. Um, and uh, right now we're, we're working on, on this, um, let's say, vivid vision of like, what do we see in 10 years from now? Um, and um, yeah, then it's about, okay, what, what can be our roadmap to, towards getting there? Fantastic, Joshua. This is amazing. I'm so happy to hear that no, somebody's using um, kind of, let's say, startup mentality, but really applying then to make an impact and this whole tech for good movement. I think it's great. This was um, maybe last question on this topic. Was it something that you had in mind from the beginning or did you kind of test the market in general early on and then at a certain point decided to do a conscious shift? 
Um, you, when you say, did you have this in, in mind when... What so you going to serving tech for good and, and really providing the services only, if I understand correctly, if that's the situation right now, to uh, projects that are uh, doing it, that are having a positive impact. Yeah. So we're, we're not doing it only, um, okay. but I would say the majority of our revenues is coming from that. Um, and let's say we have our internal KPI of like always having a good balance. Um, okay. And we say, okay, either like ideal case, it's really groundbreaking tech um, plus impact okay. um, or it's groundbreaking tech, um, but not a very clear positive impact, but at least not a negative impact. Yeah. Um, those are kind of the things that we're, that we're looking for. But for example, I mean, we, we have one uh, really big um, um, project where we're building a cloud uh, data ecosystem with BMW that is really serving to help them reduce their carbon footprint. Um, okay. And those projects are great, you know, where you see like there's, you can help a larger organization really um, move towards um, net, net carbon. Um, right. And at the same time, it's, it's highly sophisticated from a technological perspective. Um, but I think to answer your question, this is something that um, happened over time. Uh, like, I think we, we first wanted to solve this problem um, and with every day you're working on something, you're discovering new things, right? Um, and so for us, it was like a, a, in after a couple of months, we asked ourselves the question like, okay, hey, if we're building this, let's say, um, community or collective of really smart problem solvers across the world, then what is our responsibility on what we're working on, you know, and what are we using these, these the, the, the skill sets and everything for? And then also like, what is it where we are also, let's say, credible, you know, like wh what is what is a genuine approach for us? Um, and we feel much more, um, let's say, drawn towards this. So it's not, it's probably not going to be the most uh, profitable because, I mean, a German corporate will always have more money than a, a small startup working on something uh, related to, uh, to impact. Um, but our North Star metric is not uh, how much profits we make, but what is the right balance between purpose and profits? And um, this is kind of how it evolved. And, and by now we also feel, hey, like this is going to be big because like we have to solve climate change. We have to solve these big problems. Otherwise, we're really running into a situation that we cannot even imagine. And, and so I think it's by now it's also really at the core of what is your responsibility as a global citizen um, and as an entrepreneur in what direction are you pushing for? Absolutely, absolutely agree. And uh, no, again, uh, thank you very much for, for taking action against all of this. Um, there will be a ton more things to do, but uh, for the sake of time, Yasha, thank you so much for now. Let's move to the last part uh, mm -hmm. of the interview where I'm gonna ask you a few quick questions and then a really quick answer um, and then we get to a close. Sure. So first thing first, um, which book are you currently reading? Um, there's one I very recently finished, um, which also fits quite well. Um, I, I found it quite an interesting read is um, Reimagining Capitalism in a World on Fire um, by Rebecca Henderson, um, who's an MBA professor at Harvard. And mm -hmm. she's basically putting her course that she started a couple of years ago into this book on like, how can we actually solve um, our current system and reimagine um, capitalism, as the title says. And like, 
really, really interesting um, book with very clear um, advice uh, also on how it's possible. So uh, I found it quite uh, inspiring. Great. Uh, what's a startup that you think it's interesting to follow, of course, beyond yours? <laughs> I mean, I don't know if we're like the most interesting startup in the world. Um, but one that I found very, very interesting is um, actually one of our um, customers. Mm -hmm. uh, they're called Pascal, based in Paris. Um, so P-A-S-Q-A-L. And what they do is they make um, quantum computing units um, and make it accessible as a service through the cloud. So basically quantum computing as a service. Um, we're building the entire cloud um, infrastructure with them. And that's really um, can be a, a game changer um, in yeah, kind of making democratizing quantum uh, computing. Um, so um, very, very interesting. Also raised a big round lately. So we'll probably hear a lot from them in the future. Okay, so you, you mentioned quantum computing. Is, uh, is that one or is there any other interesting trend that you would recommend to people thinking about starting a company to really look into? Yeah, I mean, let's say it's a it's, um, trend and also a wish from my side, I think, um, because the whole trend towards, let's say, uh, sustainability, um, I mean, clean tech has been around for a long time. Um, and it's not super straightforward, but I think when looking at what's ahead of us, then there will be more and more um, funds mobilized for this. Um, there will be more and more brain power going into this because also governments realize that something needs to happen. Um, so I think that's a super interesting space to, to be part of. Also, again, from a, let's say, responsibility perspective and um, what we need to do, I think. Um, so that's kind of an, an area where I would love to see more young people um, going into and explore, although this might not be the super straightforward platform startup. Um, Absolutely. But again, no, it's also needed, as you mentioned. Um, let's see, now that you're very, uh, very well warmed up, let's uh, <laughs> close with a few more personal things. Yeah. One is uh, as an entrepreneur and, you know, as, as, as a manager of a company, um, is there any uh, advice you will oftentimes give to people but don't really follow yourself? Yeah, that's, a, that's a really good question, <laughs> putting me on the spot here. Um, so I hope my team doesn't hear this. But, um, <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, I think one, uh, uh, so I have two. Um, okay. One is um, being on time for meetings. Um, I think it's just a respectful thing to do to be on time for meetings. But I oftentimes also struggle and I come like a minute late, two minutes late because I'm still finishing up another call, etc. But in the end, it doesn't matter. It's still the same level of respect you show. So that's something I'm also trying mm -hmm. to, to get better at. And the other thing where I think I also sometimes struggle with is um, becoming aware of our cognitive bias. Um, so because it's, it's, it has an effect on how our behavior, on the decisions we make. Um, and so being more aware of that will ultimately result in better decisions. But I also, it's a really difficult thing to do. So I Absolutely. oftentimes find myself like, ah, okay, did you really follow that now? I don't know. Easier to see in others, no? Than, yeah. than on yourself, probably. That's super important. Okay, then. Um, very last question for you. Um, as an entrepreneur, what has been your biggest mistake? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think I like biggest mistake um, and that also for me is, is kind of a key advice um, I would now give to, uh, to, to founders 
Um, my biggest mistake was becoming too emotionally attached to the company. Um, what does that mean? I mean, you, it's your baby, you're kind of burning, you're living for it, etc. And it kind of is at the risk of like you becoming the company or the company becoming you, um, which in my eyes is not super healthy and sustainable because the company will go through crises, etc. And I've been there, I've been super invested and uh, basically um, work day in day out um, for that but that meant whenever the company was not doing really well I wasn't doing really well um, and it kind of became a source of constant stress for me that I was radiating which then affected our team led me to make poor decisions etc and created a lot of downstream mistakes let's say um, and so kind of realizing that and finding my way or finding a way to handle this in a, in a, in a healthier way um, was a really important learning that I'm endlessly grateful for um, also to my team for, for helping me with that. Um, but yeah, that was, that was, do you have any, any tip on how can people avoid yeah, that situation? Yeah. Interestingly enough, I mean, I think this all really starts with awareness um, and the understanding that like do you derive your sense of self like your self-worth from your business you know and for me like that i think that's a process of realizing okay my friends my family like the people that i really care about they see me the same way whether i run think it or whether i think it runs against the wall um and so if it's not that then should this kind of be so all-consuming that I'm losing myself in the process and I think the answer is no so I think finding finding that sweet spot of saying okay like I'm still invested I'm still passionate about what I do but sometimes things will blow up and that's okay you know and I am not my company I'm a human being and in that I'm wonderful just like anyone else um and yes then there is a company and this is what I do um and it takes a big part, but it's not me. Um, so I think that separation, um, like, yeah, being aware of that, of when am I acting as if I was the company and when do I also keep that distance, uh, that for me probably also took a year or so to kind of slowly realize and, and, and act upon that. Um, Super relevant message, I think, even more in the times that we're currently living now, considering the, the, the overall stressing situation many yeah. people are experiencing. Yeah, definitely. And I think also, especially for entrepreneurs, I mean, like the levels of depression and and uh, mental stress, mental health for yeah. entrepreneurs are a lot different from the usual population. So I think there's a lot of courage and, 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 and brain power there that can really drive and change things. But if we're then kind of getting sick along the process, then nobody's helped with that. Absolutely. No, you need to take care of yourself to being able to take care of others. That's yeah, not exactly. Yasha, thank you so, so much for sharing your inspiring story, for the contribution you're doing for, uh, for, for the future good of everybody and all the best moving forward. Thank you very much, Davide, for having me. Um, keep up the great work at Asada so that there's more people coming out um, and who want to do good and do better. Um, so yeah, it was a pleasure being here and wishing you all the best. Thank you. Bye-bye. Ciao. Thank you. Bye. If you still want to learn more, remember, you can register on our platform. 
dobetter.asade.edu. That was all for today. Until next time, thank you. Do better.